You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Would you remain standing for the reading of God's Word? From 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 2. May grace and peace be yours in abundance, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Thus, He has given us, through these things, His precious and very great promises, so that through them we may escape from the corruption that's in the world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, perhaps you have seen on our digital sign, whatever you want. Perhaps you've gotten emails from Jimmy or me about this sermon series, whatever you want. I just have to tell you, this is a challenging series to embark upon. These last two weeks have been difficult, and I I know it's challenging for me, and it must be challenging for you as you wrestle with what it is to walk on this path of desire and this path of want. We've been looking really closely at what we want, trying to identify it. And if this is your first time uh, in this series, we've been pushing everyone to write down and make a list. Make a list of all the things that you want. And to begin to, to weigh those things. You know, is this really what I want? Is this something that's at the top of my list? So today we've got some audience participation, all right? You can participate to your level of comfort. How many of you have got your list of wants and you know what you want? Raise your hand up high. Okay, so people have been working on their lists. They know. All right? And... How many of you that have got those on your list are pretty confident that that thing that's at the top is what you really want? Raise your hand up high. Okay, good. Now, you don't have to do this. But if you want to share it, this is the audience participation taken up at just a little notch. Does anybody want to share what they want? I told you you didn't have to. It's fine. It's fine. There's a lot of pressure. Great health. Okay. Thanks for getting us started, Hillary. Yes. One more time. To fit in. Man, I'm still working on that one. That, wow, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Well, I don't, okay. Last one. Children to come and know the Lord. Yes. All of us want that as well. Okay, so there's a lot of things that we can have on the list. Now, I told you, you didn't have to share anything, so I want to thank all of you brave souls who did. Now, there's another step to this. This is not one that you have to speak up. This is another hand-raising thing. Those of you that have got your list, do you know how to get what you want? Raise your hand up high if you know how to get that. So some do, most do not. As far as the knowledge of how to get what we want, 
uh, there's, there's things that we could identify. And, and, and I've, I've been kind of pushing us with my example of what I want is for us to be good, for us to be virtuous people, people that are focused upon God. And it's pretty easy for us to say, well, yeah, I know how that's to take place. And if I were to push Trish, she would probably lay out some things that she knows about achieving what she wants. Now, whenever we think about maybe some pretty basic examples, like uh, someone mentioned health, if we got down to it, to have good health, we know what that is, right? That's kind of a worn out example. If, you were, if I were to ask you, tell me, how do you get in shape? How do you become healthy? You're going to know the answer. It is about getting good sleep. It's about uh, how you exercise. Are you getting your body moving? Getting your heart rate up to be 20 minutes, 25 minutes, once a day, at least three times a week. Just get that heart rate up there. And what you put into your body, how you nourish your body, helps you get in shape. You know the answer to that. That's not really the problem. A lot of us know that we have a problem with online shopping or with online pornography. We know it. We're addicted to those things. And yet, what we don't do is we don't change our internet connection. We don't cut up those credit cards. We don't make a decision or an intention to funnel that knowledge towards action. There's a knowledge that's there, but there's not a practice. We know, we may know that our marriage is a mess. It's a wreck. That we're putting up with the same old, same old. We're Knowing that we need to change ourselves, we've probably got a lot of lists of what we want to do to change the other person, but we know that we need to change, but yet we're staying the same. We're letting things remain as they are. We lack the ability to make the decision to put in the work to make that marriage better. The persistence of our practice is revealing really what we believe, that our true intention is to stay exactly the same. Now think about that for a minute. Our persistent practice is showing that what we really want is to stay exactly the same. Let me give you some more examples. We might say we have a lot of things on that list of what we want, but yet our practice is to worry. We are given to that practice of worry maybe because we're prone to be a control freak like me. We want to manipulate and make sure everything works out just the way it should be. And so our practice is a high level of worry. Or maybe we're very, very busy. All the time busy. Because we want people to know how hard we work. We want to show how we're working harder than other people. We, we want people to know that we're important. We're valued. And our practice that we're given to is busyness. That's what we're focused in on. And that's what shows us what we really want. We're more committed to the busyness than we are to changing. Same thing with lying. We're quite concerned with what other people think about who we are. And so our true self is hidden. There's a shadow side that's veiled. And we project a different person entirely because we're not quite comfortable sharing who we really are to others. And so instead of these things that we say that we want, we nurture worry, we nurture anxiety, we nurture a desire to do things that maybe we did not say that we want. 
Now, the thing about all of this that we've discussed so far that really hits us in the gut is the things that we know, the things that we really, really know are those things that we do. If you want to point to what your knowledge really is, then it will be manifest in your action. Not what you think, not what you believe or hold to be true, but what you actually do. That's how we see what someone's knowledge truly is. Now, my aim in this series, whatever you want, is to focus in on the whatever of becoming a good person, the whatever of being a virtuous person. And I've told you that it doesn't matter if that's your pursuit or not, some of the things that I'm saying are going to help you get what, you're, what you want, even if it's something bad. You can use these elements to get what you want. And I've been, I'm going to be keying in today on this idea of, of moral excellence. It was a Greek idea that shows up only rarely in the New Testament, four times, more on that in a minute. But whenever you hear the word virtue, you might think, okay, that's probably not on my whatever list because it sounds a little too pious, sounds a little too pretentious. But the word is literally excellence. It's pursuing not just what is standard, but what is beyond that, moral excellence. Some of you might think that if we just use the other word good or goodness, which has shown up in some of our readings today, that that sounds a little too plain. But with excellence, we've got something that we can wrap our arms around. All right, so if that's my whatever, and you can fill in the blank of what your whatever is, how is it that if we know what we want, and we know how to get it, we constantly fail? Have you noticed this? People who might have taken the pursuit that I'm laying out of being a good person repeatedly feel like they fail, like they don't measure up. So why is that? That's what I want to spend a little bit of time looking at today. As we look at our own failure, our own sense of falling short. And here, here's my answer. The reason that we fail to achieve the kind of goodness that we want or what we want is because we have focused on the externals. That most of what we're important, we put as important are the externals of our faith. Am I a good person? Do I show up in pious places? Do I read the scriptures? All of these things are very, very good things to focus in on. They're very important practices, but that's where it stops for us. It's external. It's kind of like this. You've got your 1991 Honda Civic, and you go and you buy the latest BMW Blue, sold by the leader. I'm assuming it's a leader. I mean, it's from Britain, so... You get this beautiful BMW blue, and you paint your 1991 Honda Civic blue, BMW blue, and you get a little chisel, maybe a screwdriver, you pull that H off the Honda, you throw it away, and you put your stolen BMW logo right there on the front. Put another one on the back, and you expect to be getting BMW level performance out of your 1991 Honda Civic. Never mind that you haven't changed the oil in five years. Tires haven't been touched, rotated, changed in five years. You haven't even taken it for any kind of service at all. Now, it's stupid. It's silly, right? 
But a lot of times that's what we do in the things that we want is we just focus in on the externals. We change the appearance. We want to be in shape, so we buy athletic clothing. Or we get the latest water bottle. Why are they always changing the water bottles? I'm just out of style before you know it. But if you just get all those externals, then you'll be in shape or you will look like you're wealthy. If you dress a certain way, you spend the money, people will think, ah, this person has been a success in life. So whatever it is, smart, health, wealth, we focus in on the externals. Now, in, in Christianity, sometimes we do this to a fault, and we're following those externals while loathing every second of this. The difference in what I'm describing from those past failed approaches to being good and pursuing what you want is an inner transformation. It's a focus from the inside to the outside. Not starting with the things that everybody see, sees, but the things from the inside to the out. And that is the process that I want us to invite us into. One of the things that was the greatest blessing of my life is to get to be with the teacher, Dallas Willard, my favorite teacher. Dallas Willard is a, uh, was a philosophy professor. He was the chair of the University of Southern California Philosophy Department. Elite, elite teacher. He was also a Baptist minister. He's probably one of the greatest thinkers the last 100 years. And the process that I've begun to unpack in the last couple of weeks, and that we'll close with two more sessions after today, is a process of how transformation takes place. We've talked about spirituality being your relationship to whatever is most important to you in your life. And if we take that understanding of spirituality, how is it that we begin to get it? And he uses the, uh, an acronym, VIM, Vision, Intention, and Means. And last week, we've been looking at vision. How do you identify what you want? Do you put it down? Do you recognize if it's good or not? Setting the intention of your heart, the vision of your heart. What is it that you want? This week, about intention. How do we make a decision? How do we focus in on what we want? And in the last two sessions, we'll look at means. What do we put in place so that we can actually accomplish what it is for us to get what we want? Well, let's look at this great little letter. If you look in 2 Peter chapter 1, the verses that I read to you just moments ago, down in verse 5, I want to draw your eye to that opening phrase here. For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness. Make every effort. This is a word that means do your best. Everything. Put all of your weight behind this. And I, I could give you lots of examples from other translations where in the Living Bible it puts it, work hard to be good. Or Eugene Peterson, I enjoy Eugene Peterson. He's not a literal translation, but he gives us a good paraphrase. Don't waste a minute on anything but doing good. Or in the Jerusalem Bible and a number of other places, doing your utmost. This is about working hard. Human effort is indispensable. It's invaluable. We have to put forth our very best effort. And this is where Christians get a little bit exposed. 
we don't recognize what I'm about to tell you about how the world perceives us. Whenever the world looks at us, the world is very aware of what it takes to succeed, what it takes to succeed in business, to buy the things you want, to get what you want. And when they look at Christians, they don't see that. What the world sees in Christians is a group of people who are checked out. That whenever things get difficult, whenever we face problem, at, problem tasks or surmountable, insurmountable problems, we say, well, you know, it'll be better in the great by and by. Or when we get to heaven, it's all going to be worked out. God's going to take care of this. And they see us as complacent, as resigned to what this life is all about. It's kind of like we checked into a flea bag hotel, which is the earth, and we've given up on it. We checked our keys in, we're hanging out in the lobby, maybe getting a free happy hour, maybe we stayed around long enough to get the free breakfast, or uh, take a dip in the pool. We're, we're checked out. We're just waiting for the shuttle to come and pick us up for the jet that's going to take us out of here. And when the world looks at us, they don't see us putting forth much effort at all in terms of this good life that we say is so good. Now, you look at me and you say, well, wait a second, Brady. Where's the grace in this? This sure sounds a lot like works-oriented salvation, right? Are you thinking that? This just doesn't sound like the grace that we know. It's just too heavy. Because a lot of times we use the refrain of, well, you know, I'm just, I'm only human. I made that mistake. We, we, never, we never use that when we've done something great. Well, when the Super Bowl, ah, it's just I'm only human. Yeah, Luke Helm, Luke Helm last week pitched a, a uh, shutout. He was one bad catch from his outfielder from being a no-hitter. And at the end of that game, he didn't just say, well, you know, I'm only human. Well, he probably did because he's Luke. You know, he's, real, he's not going to draw attention to himself. What's not seen in those moments is all the hours in practice, all the work on changing, reforming, strengthening, all the practice that takes place outside of that. And we don't use only human because, well, we've done a lot in those moments. We use only human whenever we've made a mistake. So we hear all this about making forth our best effort and working hard, and we think, that doesn't sound like grace. That doesn't sound like what we're after. Well, one more thing I want you to try on from my friend Dallas Willard. There is grace through and through with this, okay? And let me give you this example from Dallas. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. You see the difference there? Grace is not opposed to effort, for us trying, for us doing our best, for us putting in the work. But if we think that somehow we're achieving it by our effort, that's when we cross the line. That's when we misunderstand what we're about. So this is not me giving you a gut check and saying, you just need to try harder. No, it's not about trying harder. Just like Yoda, there is no try. There is only do or do not do. That's right. This is about training. This is not about perfection. No, you're going to make mistakes. 
You're going to throw a pitch that hits the catcher in the face, throws it over his head. You're going, to, you're going to throw things that are wrong. Mistakes are a part of this. We need to get over that kind of Christian perfectionism. But grace is not opposed to effort. We are training. We are preparing ourselves from the inside out. And Peter gives us the first of several things, but two very important rungs on this ladder, faith and goodness. This was, is what shows up in verse 5. Faith and goodness. We must add to our faith. Faith, we could go a lot of different directions with faith, but it's trust. It's trusting and relying upon someone else. It's a confidence that goes beyond what we can do for ourselves. For those of us who are believers, it is reliance upon a much higher power. We trust that when we turn the switch, the light comes on. There's a faith, there's a belief that's there. And it is a confidence and a reliance on someone beyond. More specifically, for those of us who are believers in God, faith is a human response to God's grace, what God has given to us. This is all a free gift. If you look at how Peter describes faith even in the opening verse, it's a faith that is received. It comes as a gift. It's not an ownership thing. I don't control God with my faith or own God because of my faith. In fact, it's the righteousness of God that brings me faith. It's the righteousness of Jesus that brings me faith. And we're relying and we're trusting upon the very righteousness of God to bring us these things. I want to be like Peter, where I can say, like he does in the first verse, that he is a servant, a servant of the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. That puts things in proper perspective, that we have been given a gift that we don't own, but that we get to make use of and should make every effort behind. Well, that's faith. The second one is this word goodness that I've been tossing and throwing around today a lot. A word that means virtue or moral excellence. Whenever we have this kind of trusting faith, it leads one towards the kind of action that we want. And this was a big, big concept in the Greek time. It wasn't thought of as just being some kind of religious or spiritualistic. This was about you being the best person that you can possibly be. Shows up only a few times in the New Testament. In fact, you could, you could circle a couple of them here Two of the four that are in the New Testament here in 2 Peter 1. It's called, we're, we're called by the goodness of God. And then down in verse 5 about adding goodness to our faith. We could run over to 1 Peter 2 where it talks about the mighty or the excellent work of God. That's what we're supposed to be describing. Or we could go to Paul's whatever passage. Do you remember Paul's whatever passage? Whatever is whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is excellent is the key word, think about such things. This was a concept of striving for what was absolutely the best. Faith and virtue. Two things, two rungs that help us on this journey of coming to get what we want when what we want is to be good. Now, I need to summarize for, for you where we've been today. Because as we've laid this out, we've covered a lot of ground, even in a short period of time. Today we've been focused in on our intention. Where it's not enough just to say, yeah, I know what I want, 
It's there. We have to make a decision. A decision to set our intention and our will upon this thing that we say that we want. We're adding our knowledge to that desire. A desire that is provided by actions. And we're not just focused in on the externals, not just the blue paint and the BMW logo that makes things better. No, we're, we're starting from the inside to the outside to make that decision within our heart about what we want to do. And it is loaded in grace. It is bathed in grace. What God invites us to is to partner with Him. Verse 4, being a participant in the divine nature, God is inviting you to make use of His power as you pursue these things that you want. If you really want to be good, you're not going at this alone. You may make mistakes. You may stumble. But it's not just about trying and sweating it out. It's about training and intentionally doing what God has called us to do. Vision, intention, and means. We know what we want. We're able to weigh whether or not it's a good thing for us. We're able to set our intention, a decision that we want to pursue it. Pursue it to become like God. To pursue this life of goodness. And we're willing to exert ourselves for excellence for something that's going to make us a better person. And it will take our training. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we're so thankful, so humbled, so overwhelmed that you would want to go into business with us. We have a lot of desires that are on our hearts. And so we invite you. We invite you to shape us and to mold us that you help us to get a clear picture of who we can be, that you'll help us to make a decision, which seems redundant, but we have to do it. We have to decide what you're calling us to be. God, thank you for the way that you've shown us to be a God who is with us, a God that has not abandoned us to this world, even to our own wants, but who's able to work with us, partner with us, in this journey of becoming like you. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to look more and more like your son. And would you help this to sit on our hearts this week through Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.